Off the Hook. Bearing on OffTheHookSports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. The Off the Hook podcast at OffTheHookSports.com or Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or wherever you go for your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Off the Hook with Dave Hooker starts now. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Amanda will be the first to tell you that I'm wired a little different. Good morning, Amanda. How are you? Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm well. Wow. What a what a fun, fun weekend. Amanda will tell you I'm wired a little bit different, but really... All the off-season work, um, to me, comes down to this first show, which is Labor Day. I know a lot of people take off, but we're here for you, and we want you to be a part of the program. So your thoughts on the SEC weekend, feel free to share them. We've got a monster show lined up. Jacob Warren will join us. Cooper Mays will join us. Also, Chris Landry, our Monday guest, will have a wrap-up of the weekend. And Amanda, I'm I'm kind of crazy, um, but the, these these are the fun days. These are the days that you you meet with uh, Jacob Warren and you, you line him up in March, and uh, you have some terrible hibachi. I'm not going to name the name of the restaurant. Um, you 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 get Did you, you run down. Well, I didn't I didn't pick the place. His his person oh. picked the place. Um, and then you run down Cooper Mays through Kevin Mays, an old friend. Um, you get to know Chris Lander. You do all this work really for football season, and this is kind of the first. And as a reminder, just hope me next year if you need to. By the way, hit that subscribe and like button, and we're going to be with you every weekday at 830. We want you to hit it right now. We'd greatly appreciate it. Amanda, um, but as as – we looked at this past weekend. Feel free to carry a stick with you and just poke me with it if I say week zero college football is back. Because that ain't the same thing that we saw last week, this past weekend. <laughs> what? Like, what do you mean carry well, a stick and poke you? Well, you wouldn't say that. Nobody likes to say week zero. I know, but you get like pseudo excited and you get sort of excited for the fur that week zero. You had a game in Ireland. You had Vanderbilt playing, which I guess excites some people. I don't know who you had a little bit, but man, this weekend is what college football was all about. That was phenomenal. Yeah, it was a, it's a great weekend for college football. Not a great weekend for my betting picks, but I mean, honestly, if you're looking at my betting picks, it's fine. If you just went the opposite of everything I chose, then you would uh, be a very rich person. So I'm 100% on something. Uh, I, I have actually uh, told people over the years the same thing about me. But the difference is Amanda's very good at it. So she's going to bounce back. I have no, no doubt about that. So, man, it starts with right off the top before we get to the down and dirty at 30. Well, let's just do that right now. The down and dirty at 30 is brought to you by Zul Beer Company today. Zul Beer Company is the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports. Zul Beer Company is absolutely fantastic. Worldwide award-winning beer and an awesome panoramic view of downtown Knoxville. Great place to hang out. 
They have ice cream, beer. Um, the environment is kid-friendly. The ice cream, beer is not kid-friendly. So I want to go ahead and point that out. But you'll love it. It's, and they've got go beer ice cream. It's beer ice cream, not ice, ice cream, cream beer, beer. Not beer ice cream. Okay. It's uh-huh. beer ice cream. My apologies. Zool Beer Company. Go to xulbeer.com. And so let's go ahead and get to the down and dirty of 30. And, man, it didn't get any, any dirtier than what happened last night. And LSU, I really thought that LSU, I don't know the spread beforehand, Amanda. You probably do. But just in my mind, how much was it? Two and a half. Wow. LSU favored two and a half. I really thought Brian Kelly would have gotten his players' attention in case you didn't see it. An absolutely wild ending in which LSU uh, just drives down the field at the end of the game, 99 yards to score, and they get the extra point block. But it was even wilder before that. As um, at one point, it looked like that Florida State was going to be able to uh, salt it away as a muff punt gave them the ball inside the five, and then LSU fumbled. I was stunned, and we're going to get the rest of the SEC in Tennessee, but I, I was really stunned by a Brian Kelly that I do have a lot of respect for, but the one thing he's supposed to bring to LSU is is discipline, Amanda. The one thing he's supposed to bring to LSU is some sort of cohesion. And that's what Ed Orgeron didn't have. He was supposed to bring that. And I just thought they came out of the shoot looking like they were put together with like duct tape. I, I've never liked Brian Kelly. I don't like Brian Kelly. I did not like him at Notre Dame. I gave him the benefit of the doubt as, you know, maybe it was being at Notre Dame that caused him not to be able to get into, you know, to get in the playoffs and then just get destroyed by people or to get in the national championship game and then just get, I mean, absolutely dominated by people. However, Notre Dame looked better uh, Saturday than they've looked in years. Oh, you're going to go back to – oh, so maybe Brian Kelly was holding Notre Dame back? Is, is that what you're – I mean, I'm I'm thinking – I'm just saying maybe Brian Kelly is a Butch Jones in disguise because it seems like he's certainly a, a used car salesman. I'm not going to lie. Okay, well, let me, I hadn't thought about that, but let me take it a step further. I think that Notre Dame, much like Tennessee, is always going to recruit at a top – 15 level but to get to the a national championship level you've got to be in the top five pretty consistently now his argument was that you couldn't get it done at notre dame because of the academic requirements and they also handle all of the discipline that's out of the coach's hands i don't know if you if you knew that or not but those are two pretty big significant restrictions that was his argument, and he couldn't get those big defensive tackles to go against the Alabamas and Georgias of the world. But maybe he's just overrated. Maybe he got good talent because, I mean, there are a lot of kids in Catholic schools, Catholic high schools across the country that it's their dream to go to Notre Dame. They might be five stars. They might be four stars, but it happens every year. 
maybe he is a little bit overrated because his talent base, Amanda, was so good by default because he was at Notre Dame. I I have to say that. I have to say he was overrated. I mean, that's ex- that's what it's looking like anyway. I mean, after we've you know seen how well Notre Dame played against Ohio State, and that's a whole nother day of discussion is, is how overrated is Ohio State because it seems like they're really overrated in how they played. And not just the fact that, it, you know, Notre Dame did so well, but the fact that Ohio State, I mean, really, it, it didn't even look like the Ohio State that we've seen before. You can see close games where, where it goes back and forth and it's hard hitting and, you know, everybody does what they're supposed to do. It's just the other team does what they're supposed to do. So it, it's a very clean game, very strong game. This was a very sloppy performance by Ohio State. It just was. And Notre Dame looked pretty clean and disciplined. So with that being said, Brian Kelly at LSU looking like a hot pile of garbage. Hot. I mean, it, I mean, it was really, steaming, it really is. Steaming hot. Yeah. And- they only scored three points in the first half. I don't know if you watched the whole game. I know you had your things to do, but I, it just they to come out of the shoot was just bizarre to me. And then you had had we're going to continue to break down the SEC, including Tennessee. But you had had you seen some tweets that maybe LSU players are already thinking about cruising on out of there. Give us give me some background on that. So <clears throat> I've seen some tweets out there where right after, yes, right after the game, I mean, probably 30 minutes, maybe an hour after the game, Butte took down on Instagram, didn't take down his Instagram, but deleted pictures from LSU, deleted LSU out of his profile. Like normally it will say like wide receiver at LSU football took that out of his profile, took out everything that was related to LSU. Now, whether or not that's because he's ready to head out, that's what everybody else seems to think. I think he had two catches last night in the game. Mm-hmm. Two. Yep. And he had, he, he had a, a big drop um, that was right in his hands at, at a key point in the game. But I'm sorry, go ahead. So he had two catches. And not only – the drop probably doesn't have much to do with it because I feel like receivers who like OBJ LSU is known for them. So receivers like that typically don't think anything is their fault. However, the lack of targets that he received and just the general, the horrible play. I don't know if it's offensive calling. I don't know if it's just the quarterback. I'm not sure what it is at LSU, but it it's awful. And up to three of the wide receivers look like they're jumping ship. Well, yeah, I, I didn't even think of, about that. I've never thought about that, that players could actually transfer during the season because uh, they are upset. All right, let's take a look at the rest of the SEC. I mean, but it could happen. I mean, if you don't want to be around – I, I don't know when they would be eligible. Uh, the, the NCAA is still working all that stuff out. But, um, yeah, I, I guess you cruise out of there if you want to. Florida State beat LSU 24-23. to Again, a 
blocked extra point at the end of a very exciting finish that was a whole lot of fun to watch. But as far as the rest of the SEC, I want to take a look at uh, as, as we go back. And uh, obviously, Tennessee played on a Thursday night, played well. And then you had uh, Missouri back on Thursday beat uh, La Tech. But really... The, the game that I, I think caught a lot of people's uh, interest was that Georgia game because it was Oregon, and people wanted to see how Georgia would come out. Georgia just decimated uh, Oregon. I thought Georgia would win. Um, I thought they would win fairly comfortably, but when I say fairly comfortably, I'm talking about 10 or 13 points, Amanda, and I thought it would be more like a uh, maybe a 27 to uh, uh, 13 games somewhere in 13 14 uh, I did not think it would be 49 to 3 so your thoughts on on the Georgia Bulldogs who looked darn good I certainly didn't think it would be 49 to 3 either um however whew, it, it their offense is what got me and I don't know we'll see how well you know Oregon plays out this season they could just be a, a really bad team and and no one knows it however I just I don't see uh, Georgia looked really strong I mean they looked really strong and I I hate to say that because I thought they wouldn't be strong this year I thought that they would be uh fairly weak considering that they're they're replacing their defensive like almost their entire defense however it looks like they're pretty strong but we don't know how good Oregon is and plus they have Bo Nix from Auburn as their QB yeah he's spastic. and he's spastic. not great no he's not I was surprised they were that enamored with him so I don't know if George is at the plug and play mode yet where like Alabama it's just oh you got this uh, you lost a quarterback let's just go get this Bryce Young guy and he's gonna win the Heisman Trophy in year one I don't know if they have that uh, I, I won't know that until five years. None of us will. If Kirby Smart goes that long and he has that type of success and he's able to just plug new five-star guys in, then that's what he wants to do is mimic that program. Now, let's not go overboard and say he's done it yet because uh, that was an Oregon team in which Stetson Bennett played incredibly well against. And I wonder about Oregon moving forward just like you, even though they they were the 11th-ranked team in the country. So, uh, Stetson Bennett looked way better than I thought um, ever previously, and I've been incredibly hard on him. But we'll see if they're plug and play like Alabama. It's way too early to say that. Alabama 55 to zip over Utah State. Texas A&M hammers uh, Sam Houston 31 to zip as well. And then Florida, credit Florida, and you and I were tweeting back and forth before we get to this uh, interview that we have with Jacob Warren, but they were they were going back and forth, and I didn't think any team looked good. But I will give Billy Napier and his team a lot of credit. To beat a top ten ranked team at home was, I thought, I thought pretty impressive, and a way to defend your turf that maybe you don't do if if you're not pretty buttoned down. Your thoughts on Florida being able to? Uh, to best Utah. This is why preseason rankings drive me crazy. Amen this is that. why they drive me crazy. Utah, no one, that's the problem in, you know, honestly, 
just anywhere other than the SEC. We have no idea how, how good Utah is. I mean, we don't. We have no idea. There's no backstory for this. There's no, you know, they, they've been a strong powerhouse program. It's just all, all of a sudden they're tossed up in there and we're going, okay, cool. I guess Utah's really good. The experts seem to know. And they played with Florida. They played with them for a long time. And Utah, according to just watching the game, their offense was pretty good. But Florida's defense looked like trash. They looked like trash for the majority of the game. I mean, they really did. If Tennessee can can take hold of that, there's, there's going to be no amount of points that, you know, that Tennessee can't score. They're going to – run it up and so you have to think is Richardson as good as Hooker is on the on the opposite side is Richardson the quarterback for Florida is he as good as Hooker is Is he's in is he going to be able to put up as many points as Hendon is against Florida I I think with Anthony Richardson it's going to be more about I'm sick of comparing him to Cam Newton but it's going to be more about those key plays that he can turn in um, three or four times a game that change the course of the game. I don't think he's going to be an incredibly efficient guy. but And, and I love the SEC network or whatever it was when Dan Mullen was on so many TVs. I don't know. But Dan Mullen, you know, Florida comes up and you're sitting there watching this Richardson guy who he wouldn't play last year. And now he's behind a desk instead of on a sideline. And it was incredibly uncomfortable, which I love. Um, And it just, it Richardson, I mean, he's, he's a playmaker. I don't know how he wasn't on the field. So let's run through a couple more before we get to uh, Jacob Warren and talk some balls. I was very impressed with Cincinnati. And a loss. We talked about them losing a lot. They're never going to be a plug-and-play team like uh, Alabama has been and like Georgia might be. But I do believe that um, Cincinnati deserves an awful lot of credit for going to Arkansas, 31-24. to Arkansas gets the win. But Cincinnati was uh, had the lead in that game heading into the fourth quarter, and I was – I was pretty impressed with what Cincinnati was able to do. They they look like a team that, who knows, might belong. And when I say belong, I mean in the top 20, 15-ish and occasionally knock on the door of a college football playoff, which is now 12 teams. Um, we appreciate everybody breaking that right after we went off the air on Friday, but um, which is now 12 teams. So we'll, we'll talk about that and how that changes things. Kentucky – over Miami, 37-13 to 13 on the weekend. Ole Miss over Troy, 28-10. to 10. I want to come back to that because Amanda had a take on that. And then 42-16, to 16, Auburn beats Mercer. So before we get to uh, Jacob Warren, Tennessee tied in, I know that you thought Ole Miss, even though it was a 28-10 to 10 win, it is Troy. And you had tweeted out at one point over the weekend that you thought the Ole Miss was in trouble. Why? Uh, they're just sloppy. They're yep. sloppy. They don't look. They don't look disciplined. They. I mean, I know it's Troy, and I know it's playing Gabbert's little brother as their starting quarterback. However, it's still it's still Troy, and twenty eight to ten, I do not believe is is a good margin, especially with Lane Kiffin 
being such the offensive mind that he is, you would expect him to score a lot of points, especially on a team like Troy. Unfortunately, and enjoy it and enjoy it. Like, yes, put up 59 and say it, darn it, we should have 70. So, yeah, Ole Miss, um, I, I said this about a month ago. They have so many transfers, it could go way south, or it could be really, really good. 28 to 10 over Troy makes me think that it could go south. And it makes me think that they've got a lot of work to do uh, coming up. And and lastly, something that uh, we wanted to add on fire or a dumpster fire when uh, <laughs> we talk about over the pro over the weekend, uh, on fire, dumpster fire. My top moment from the weekend is absolutely uh, a dumpster fire. And it was that Virginia Tech Old Dominion game where Virginia Tech's coaches got caught in stuck in the elevator, which delayed the game. Virginia Tech loses. Why they're playing at ODU, I have zero idea who scheduled that. That athletic, athletic director, if he hasn't been already, needs to be fired. Virginia Tech loses. And then they find out that they had a bunch of stuff stolen out of their locker room. That's what? yes. During the game, players had stuff stolen out of their locker room. That's as dumpster fire as they get. If you can talk me on dumpster fire on that, then I've got a hooker t-shirt for you. I I just ooh, I just honestly, that is insane to me. I mean. When you get stuck in the elevator, I would just go ahead and call it a day at that point. Oh, that halftime, I would have too. And it was going down to the field, not back. Uh, and literally, I've never been stuck in an elevator, but I'd probably have a panic attack. I'm claustrophobic. I don't, know, I. I don't know if I could coach a second half. If Amanda and I are the, off, are the coaches, we're just going to mail it in. When we get off the elevator, we're walking away from ODU, and we're not stepping on that campus ever again so the down and dirty at 30 a wrap-up of the sec and our on fire dumpster fire that we start the show with every monday is brought to you by files automotive group it's all about integrity files automotive group is unbelievable right there on callahan they want to be your source for the absolute best car selection in knoxville also they've got service also they've got um Integrity? Yes, that's absolutely right. That's uh, Viles Automotive Group there on Callahan. And now we get to uh, the Vol Report. We visit with Jacob Warren. Jacob Warren, Tennessee tight end. Tennessee's tight ends weren't a big factor because uh, in Thursday's game because uh, understandably Ball State wanted to drop eight into coverage, so it made it difficult to get open. Uh, that's why Tennessee ran the ball so well. So that's fine. Uh, Jacob Warren is part offensive lineman, part receiver. And here he is brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Tennessee tight end, Jacob Warren. It's, it's, I think, I think the confidence just, just came, came from, from preparation, really. Like it, um, We've had multiple weeks to prepare for, for that game in particular. So everyone is kind of sick of watching you know, the same film over and over and over again. So it was, it was like, like we understand exactly what we're getting with them and um, you know, they, like I think I might have mentioned it last week. You know, they came out um, and played something completely different than what we thought they were going to. You know, we, we were expecting one thing as far as like the fronts and, and the in the back end, and um, 
kind of had a feeling that they could give us some different stuff and they ended up getting to it and, and we were still able to have some success and, and, and be able to adjust to it. So, um, yeah, I think just the amount of preparation going into it, we were able to just confidently go out there and, and play. Yeah. Uh, Coop had said that, uh, Cooper Mace, um, he had said that they, they dropped eight. So was that mm-hmm. a little surprising? Was it, was that, did that take you aback at all or is it a little different? Yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> that's the solution for a lot of teams. I think when they play us, is um, they don't really if they don't really know what else to do, they'll just kind of drop everybody out of there. And um, you know, obviously with their backs, they'll play run fits, so they'll see if it's going to be a run. If it's not a run, they're all flying out of there and getting out of and getting out into zones and trying to cover up windows and, and all this other stuff. So, um, not surprising that you see it, but um, like I said, not exactly what they put on film against other people. And then you see it pop up against us. And now our playbook is somewhat limited to what we're able to do just because, you know, obviously we adjust and we do, we kind of change plays that we have or whatever. We throw plays out that we had that were, that were going to be good against the original defense we thought they were going to play, but um, still just being able to go execute the basic plays that we have that, that be drop eight, you know what I mean? That are good against drop eight and, and uh, executing those at a high level. Uh, tight end has always been my favorite position, not because talking to you, but uh, just the fact that you're a little bit of a blocker, a little bit of a, a receiver. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, sometimes you look at the stat sheet and you might not see a catch, but that tight end played incredibly well because of what was whether he blocked or how he was able to handle protection or on and on and on. Yeah. So when you go back and look at how you played, mm-hmm. how do you think you played? How yeah, man, I think that. Right. I think that's a, a perfect example of what you said. Like, I didn't didn't have any catches in the game. Um, I don't even know if the tight ends had any catches at all. Um, uh, I think uh, I'm trying to They had one. But, yeah, I don't, um, I think... you know, regardless, it, and that's kind of due to a lot of the stuff that we talked about with, with the drop eight stuff, a lot of the things that we may have had in that were for us specifically. Um you just can't you can't run it versus drop eight like it's just not going to work right it's it's a, it's a bad play call into the particular coverage so um obviously it's unfortunate i guess that that we don't get many targets in that game but um i think what we were able to do me personally um princeton even hunter hunter salmon i don't know if you if you noticed him or 89 um mm-hmm. in there he was doing a good job too but um yeah just kind of when we when you realize like all right it's not going to be one of those games where you're catching you know every third down they're not coming to you every third down they're not trying to get the ball to the flat because we just can't right everything's covered down you kind of have to commit to all right what's going on in the run game like seriously like, let's go and get in with the o lineman try to figure out all the details of what they're doing and let's just try to be the best we can um in that aspect of the game and i think i think i played pretty well in the box uh thursday um you know first game there's a lot of things that <clears throat> you kind of just have to get used to whether it's timing or um, understanding when to trigger on, on blocks and when to kind of be more, maybe not hesitant, but be more patient. Um, you know, some of the stuff when you're really down there, short yardage, you know, understanding that hat placement, you know, it's, it's gotta be perfect and you've got to bring hands. You can't just kind of lean on people. And so, you know, those are things that you kind of, you realize as you go through the first game, I'm like, okay, I got, I got to get better about that. I can't, I can't lunge. I can't lean. I can't, um, just throw my hat in there unless, you know, unless it's a specific play where it doesn't really matter. If we just need one yard, I just got to go get it. So, um, yeah, I think played pretty decent for, for the first game. And I think Princeton did the same. Hunter did the same, like I mentioned. And so, yeah, um, pretty good overall, I guess. 
No, I thought, thought it was good stuff. And um, I know that when when ball is your life 24-7, that you're not sitting at home watching every single game. But it, it, right. the fact you guys had a Thursday game, it, it does make me wonder, did anything else stand out to you as far as college football this weekend, specifically the SEC? Yeah, I think um, – <clears throat> I mean, you had games where, like, you had Bama versus Utah State, right? And you got – your LSUs and your Florida States and you got, you know, Georgia versus Oregon. I thought that was, was going to be a pretty good matchup. And then Georgia obviously comes out and, and does what they do. And um, you see a lot of teams across the SEC like handling business, right? Like doing exactly, I guess, similar to what we did, right? You have a team that they should beat, that they are probably more talented than, and they go out and they handle business. And so then you have, you know, all these other games that are great games. And obviously the Pittsburgh game is, it was interesting because, you know, we play them next week and they play West Virginia pretty close. And, you know, West Virginia has got a good offense, good quarterback, and um, we have good offense, good quarterback. So it was, it was cool to see kind of just how their defense played. They got a fast defense and um, some good athletes on there, some older guys. So it's good to kind of watch them live and well, not live, but, you know, be able to watch that game and, and just kind of see um, how they're playing and what they look like this year. Um, but yeah, I think um, on a Saturday where we don't have football, like you said, like I'm not, I'm not the type to just sit down all day and just watch. I think you know it, it's important for me to kind of get away from it at times and, and and go spend some time doing other things. So, you know, obviously if I'm at somewhere and there's a TV on, like I was at dinner and the TV was on, and sure enough, like the Bama game was on and the Ohio State game was playing, and that was a great game too. So, you know, just being able to watch it and, and be. It, you know, just a fan for once of, of just the game is was cool, but definitely not sitting at my house with four monitors, you know, <laughs> looking at all the di- all the different games back and forth. That's not that's not me. So that's very understandable. Uh, conversation with Jacob. The Vol Report brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden. They've got the hedgers, trimmers. They've got the financing. They've got everything you need right there at Bassey Lawn and Garden. Man alive, it is worth the drive. So. Let's go ahead and turn to Pitt. I want to remind people to hit that subscribe and like button and feel free to leave a comment uh, below if you got a question you want me to ask Jacob uh, maybe next week. But let's turn to Pitt. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's, let's kind of start from the beginning. What do you take away from the game last year? Uh, yeah. Play Pitt and not going your way. You take away from that. Um, so there's there's – reoccurring like talks about this game and the end of the game and how how it ended right and how you know this is kind of you know not on anyone in particular but just the team as a whole understanding like it, it was truly just a communication um lapse right the coaches are saying one thing the players are not able to to hear the message and to remember it whenever st- stuff like is super important right the last play of the game not of the game, but, you know, the last play to go win the game, right? Essentially. So there you go. Just like, I, think I think the, the confidence. confidence. Oh, there you go. Oh, we're having fun. But, man, I never claimed to be a producer. <laughs> I will claim to be a host. So uh, press strong buttons there. A couple of people that we're going to get to all of these questions that are on our chat board with Chris Landry. So we are going to take a quick two minutes. And Michael, uh, everybody, uh, Jay Money, if that's your God-given name, if your mom gave you that name, which I doubt it. I don't think so. 
Daniel will visit with you as well. Uh, give us two minutes. Chris Landry breaking down the balls, and Chris can give you actual grades of Tennessee's players and how they did against Ball State. Grades from a former coach. Two minutes back with Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. Here, I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. This is Al's Nest Barbecue Supply, so come on in. See all the different rubs and sauces we have, plus a complete line of Green Mountain Grills. Don't be overwhelmed. We have plenty of help, so you can produce the best barbecue in a maze for your family and friends. Barbecue is America's food. We'll do what we can to bring you all the best products. We're Al's Nest Barbecue, but Chattanooga goes to grill. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. We are running wide open on a Labor Day. There's no taking days off on a Labor Day when you cover college football. I won't get into that too deeply. I had that argument one time um, with a fellow co-host. Chris Landry joins us now of LandryFootball.com. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm going to manage to get this uh, screen right. Good morning, Chris Landry. How are you? Have you gotten any sleep whatsoever? Oh, a little bit. It's uh, a lot of lot of tape on Sunday, and uh, it's good to um, get a lot of football, college football, in this weekend, and settle into kind of normal routine. So it was good. A lot of good games uh, throughout the weekend, starting you know Thursday and uh, all the way through uh, last night, which was uh, a lot lot of interesting things that happened. No question. Well, I, I want to get to that for sure, and I want to get to Tennessee's grades because for those that don't go to LandryFootball.com, you're crazy because he does grades of every single every single significant college game that's out there and probably some that aren't that significant, Chris. <laughs> I mean, that is a compliment. So, <laughs> um, Chris's appearance brought to you in part by The Mattress Place. The Mattress Place, 22 years on Chapman Highway, over 225 five-star reviews on the Better Business Bureau. They're just, Steve's just great people is the bottom line of it. And uh, no gimmicks, 30 to 70% off each and every day. So, Chris, let's just go ahead and start with the LSU game. I was going to ask you about Tennessee's grades, and we're going to get to that. But um, 
I really thought that, and I'm talking more about the first half. I understand with a two and a half point spread, a game can go either way. And I, I, I do look at that a little bit as, as a barometer. I know you don't, but, um, so that could go either way, right? I get that. And LSU is rebuilding and I get that. But my biggest question mark, Chris, is how did they not come out looking crisper in the first half? Forget the mistakes in my mind that happened later. Mistakes happen, but I just thought they'd be more crisp. And then at halftime, um, you, you've got a uh, you've got Brian Kelly saying his team should be executed. Um, well, I don't know if you saw that clip or not. Yeah, he's so. What do you think? Your he, yeah, he actually said that last year in the game that against was last Florida year. State. Yeah, but oh, he said oh, yeah. he, he said at halftime he said I don't think the team we can't play any worse. All right, I hope not. Maybe I can, but I think a couple of things. Brian Brian is uh, known Brian for years. He tries to um, tries to come up with something cute at times, and sometimes it, in today's world, it probably needs a little media training there. That whatever you say, they'll just take off on it. Um, my takeaway from the game is, you know, that they've got problems on the offensive line. So I think that to your point about why they weren't more crisp is play up front. I mean, everything offensively was the quarterback run game. Um, they worked a lot of, you know, five-step drops, some seven-step drop, and, and they couldn't protect well enough. And that's really – if there's anything that schematically that was a little bit off to me was that I would have thought – because I, I really felt like Jaden Daniels was going to get the start because of his legs, that they would move him out the pocket, give him some half-field reads, just, you know, like they did with Jordan Travis over on the other side. They didn't. I'm guessing that maybe he wasn't real effective in practice doing it, so they probably um, didn't do as much of it. But to, to play up front, it, you know, the receivers dropping the ball. I, I, the other big storyline – and I'm going to just tell you to watch out for this. The the great All American receiver, uh, Boudet, it, he just he turned it down. It was he was pouting. He was frustrated. He he didn't finish routes. Um, I don't follow this type of goofy stuff, but I was told this morning that he took all his LSU stuff down on the what is it TikTok or whatever the hell they're Instagram, whatever. Okay, so. Look, he's and, – and remember, he's the guy that, you know, I'm going to leave. And he uh, – Brian Kelly had to sit there and give him some tough love. And Brian Kelly last night was asked about it. And, you know, he said, don't read too much into it. But I know how that, that – the play is. And he said, you know, sometimes you can try to do too much. In the end, you know, he's being selfish. And he's the type of guy that, you know, I, I just – I don't know. Let's just watch that. But, look – the short-term issue is this team has some issues. Explained it all offseason. This program was left in shambles by Ed Ogeron. There, There's a complete mess. Brian will do a good job, in my opinion, because I've seen him do it everywhere he's been, and there's he's got more resources and ability to do it. It's just not going to be this year. They're going to have their moments, but it's it's going to be few and far between. But the, probably the, the disappointing thing, and I think you can tell a lot over – you don't see a Brian Kelly guy go lower his head and target. That that looked like an Ed Orgeron coach team. Uh, you you see that there's not, you know, obviously seeing Ali Gay, I'm talking about getting thrown out of the game. So those type of things that, that let me use this analogy. 
if if the, if how you discipline your kids is, yeah, they come home from school, they don't have to do their homework, they can go out and play, they can go hang out in the street, they can go no curfew and all of that, and all of a sudden you, you know, you come in and you try to discipline them. They, they well, wait a minute, I always was allowed to do this. That that's what's going on a lot at LSU. It's you know he's trying to change the culture where everybody's been allowed to do whatever they want and. That's going to be a big, bigger challenge. He can't say that. I can. I just, you know, it, to me, it wasn't as surprising because I knew there were issues. Um, Florida State kind of – Florida State controlled that game. Yeah. Almost blew that game. I mean, I, I think the, the other storyline is how, how good they played and then how they – completely screwed that up, which would be a little bit concerned. So I came out of that game with question marks about both teams. I agree. The coaching aspect of that game was very, I don't know if I say it was weird or is abnormal. Uh, I'm not exactly sure with, you know, the, just what happened in the last, in the fourth quarter from two minutes down. You know, I was watching the game and you had McElroy on there who I was very embarrassed. It was like, just let him score. And then <laughs> you have two minutes to go run down the field and score and then have an onside kick and score. And I'm, I'm sitting here going, that is insane to me. How did you feel about the coaching that went play? Like, well, first, place there? first of all, in those situations, that's all on Florida State. What mm-hmm. a complete disaster. First of all, let's go back in the fact that you got a game where LSU's struggling to score and you got a chance to go up on more than a touchdown. You kick a field goal. Yeah. And I'm talking about before that. I mean, you, you just, you just got to at that point. Right. Um, and, and not always, but in that situation with how the opposing team's offense was struggling. Secondly, um, the whole issue about scoring, not to, if you're Florida state, you're trying to not score. You're trying to use the clock. They run a toss in the goal line. That is a that is a a recipe for a fumble. They just completely bleak that up. You just can't do that. That so that's the point I'm trying to say when I said they did dumb things to lose the game. That was that they not nothing else should be even in discussion because you can't. Look, it is not – it is difficult to play this game. It's difficult to coach this game. It is not difficult to avoid doing something, quite frankly, that was that dumb. So, I, there was there was some dumbness to the game from a coaching standpoint. And I, I hate saying it because I've been there and, you know, I'm accused of doing stuff too. But, you know, the, that's one of the things. You've got to play the percentages, play the smart play there. But I do think that's that was the key to the end of the game was how Florida State allowed it to be an end of the game um, possibility that that they could have lost that game and had they lost that game. Now the storyline is Brian Kelly would be fine. You blow that game if you're Mike Norvell. Yeah, we're talking about third year. We're talking about you know heaven. That was to me his exuberance after the game was more about. Oh, you know, just, it, it just thank God, uh, you know, they got out with a win and maybe they can get off, they can bag that win and they've got some winnable games. 
So it could be a, a nice start here for them, perhaps, and put that behind them because that was some bad decisions. Well, I'm 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 not a coach, but I know you don't run a toss at the goal line. And and now my son, if he decides to become a coach, knows that too, because we discussed that and why you shouldn't do that at the goal line last night. Um, Chris's appearance brought to you in part by Owl's Nest Barbecue. Their mission is to provide you with all the barbecue supplies that you would need, whether you're talking about the wood chips, whether you're talking about the, uh, the pellets that make those automated smokers just go so great. They're awesome. Or you're talking about the sauces or the rubs. Hey, I was pretty impressed with Arkansas before we get to Tennessee because um, I'm sorry, Cincinnati, Cincinnati against Arkansas. You know, I think we all expect Cincinnati just to fall back off the map, but Arkansas had a bit of bit of a dogfight there, and I think Arkansas is pretty good. So, just what is your takeaway from that game? We're going to bounce around the SEC a little bit. Yeah, yeah, real quick. Uh, Cincinnati, look, they're not a one year wonder. They're they're a one year wonder in terms of making the national playoffs. That that a lot of things had to play out. That team is a line of scrimmage team. They're physical. They're tough. Their defense is really solid, and I thought it challenged Arkansas as I thought they would. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, really good. We know that. Um, he was a real difference. Um, look, I, I thought it was a gut check type game, and and I thought Arkansas did a, did a really fine job there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Arkansas looked good. I don't know if they looked as good as they are portrayed to be this season but they still look good um old miss that looks that looks rough i mean it, it looks rough over there how did you feel about that game and how did you feel about um lane kiffin's demeanor on the sidelines well his demeanor is because he's trying to you know find the quarterback that can consistently run this offense it's a quarterback friendly offense but if they don't get it fixed out, you know, it's one of the things, you know, the, well, they won the transfer portal and they got a bunch of guys that is tough to acclimate all those guys into a system. Um, you, you need a game like against Troy who historically good program, good teams. It's, it was a very winnable game. So like I, I'll say this in general um, out there, folks don't overreact to week one as to that's what a team is. It might be, it might not, um, but week one is without preseason games and without the ability to tackle and do things in practice because you're worried about injuries. Um, look, you, the, the biggest mistake people make is week one, they watch that game week one, and that's that team. If you don't watch and follow a team, you never stay the same. Either you're better or you get worse. So with Ole Miss – they're not going to be as good as they were last year. Now, what their record is going to be, again, that's all relative to who they have to play. Uh, but I think they're going to get better on offense. But they're not going to be what they were last year because they had an experienced quarterback running that offense. And if you look at it, I mean, Matt Corral, I mean, you guys remember that against Tennessee last year. I mean, he put the team on his back and, you know, ran for – an ungodly amount of yards, and you don't have that now. So with that, you're not going to have the symmetry, particularly week one, uh, even against Troy. Well, let's let's start let's start breaking down the balls, and then um, Danny, uh, Michael, all of those. We are going to get to your questions. I 
promise you, and I'll post some of them to Chris. If you have anything specifically about Tennessee right now, please go ahead and shoot a message and we'll get them to Chris. So Chris's appearance brought to you in part by Craft Treats. Craft Treats has the CBD uh, benefits of the minor cannabinoids that will help your pet when it comes to car ride anxiety, when it comes to storm anxiety. Boy, we had some of that over the weekend. It's just a not a good weekend to lay by the pool. And uh, CBD is fantastic for joint ailment as well. I want to remind you, we're with you at 8.30 each and every morning. So what I need you to do is you need to hit that like and subscribe button. And the other thing in particular is hit the notifications because the notifications yesterday, the people that hit that knew that Jacob Warren and Cooper Mays were up live on the site. And we have a special guest coming up today that might have played for Tennessee, that might have been a congressman. But I'll let you guess who that might be. So, Chris Landry, let's go back to the Thursday game because we haven't had a chance to talk to you. How did you grade the Vols? And I just want to open this up and you start where you want to go. Well, let's go real quick, you know, because um, I, I, I did go in detail each position. That takes a bunch of time. but So let's start with the offense. I thought they, they did a really good job overall. They took care of business against an opponent they should have taken care of business against. That's that's all you can ask for. Played a lot of quarterbacks. They played well. I thought they did a really good job. I thought the the running game was a little bit better than maybe the stats will indicate. Uh, I thought Small Wright really did uh, a good job, and I thought um, Samson looked like he really helped this team. Um so we'll, we'll see some mistakes there. You know, you had a uh, you know, fumble and, you know, I thought the receivers, tight ends were very, very good. Thought they graded out well. I thought the offensive line did a solid job. Um, I think the tackle positions were good. I think the interior was even better. Um, you get four starters up front. Um, you had Minchie and Crawford rotating at left tackle. They still got to figure that out. But the performance was pretty good. And, and you have to, you have to grade against, inferior guys that they're going against with that understanding, but you can't hold it against them if they do well. So what you look at assignment, effort, technique, you can't look at the result because sometimes the, the assignment and the technique can be poor, but if you're that much physically better against a weak opponent, um, you know, that, that doesn't translate against better opponents, but they did a good job with assignment, effort, and technique. I thought it was really good. thought the defensive line did a, Solid job. Uh, I, I thought solid to good. I didn't think they set the edge in the run game as well on a couple of occasions, but, you know, for the most part, pretty decent. Um, uh, you know, this this Ball State run team, and we talked about it last week in the preview that they weren't going to be able to get the running game going because they weren't going to commit to the run because they were going to be down. Um, I thought they did a, they did a good job overall. Look, they didn't generate sacks, but they got seven pressures in the game. They got three uh, batted passes, and they got a couple of picks. Don't just get locked into the sacks. However, I thought considering the protection breakdowns and the limitations with Ball State, which has a veteran group coming back, but still, they probably, as it relates to going forward, this is how I'm evaluating the game, you know, you got to get home a little bit more. But I thought the play against the pass was pretty good. The linebackers were probably um, 
that there's some work there, need to get better. They were without Jawan Mitchell. I thought the secondary, look, you, you had the safety play was pretty good. And I'm looking at my grades as I graded. I thought, because um, I thought Haddon played well. He had, had 16 snaps, but I thought he did a good job and probably earned some more work. Um, the corners and the tackles had to, you know, I thought the corner position struggled a little bit um, as I kind of expected, but they left guys open in more occasions than you were able to really see um, on the TV copy. And then, you know, ball states are not able to execute it. So overall, really good performance. Excited to see it picks up this week against a, a, a really solid pit team that I'm sure we'll get into it uh, on their performance on um, which, by the way, was going on at the same time as I was monitoring both of those games. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a much better opponent. And I think this is going to be an intriguing game because it's a good litmus test for Tennessee to kind of take a step up a game and pit that they can beat what's going to be far more challenging than obviously week one. So which I'm going to ask a two-parter here, which two players on Tennessee's team, one offensively, one defensively impressed you the most in that first game? Hooker. Um, yes. Yes. This hooker always impresses me, but you know, always gets high grades, but. Uh, no, Hendon Hooker. Yeah, I got. I got to remember that. I, I I use the last names. I got to remember Hendon. I would say uh, Beasley, uh, probably. Uh, I, I mean, Hadden did a really good job in limited snaps, sixteen. But Beasley had, uh, I think, forty three was in forty three total snaps. I got him, and I thought he did a really good job. And and let me just give a little shout out to the left end position. I thought uh, Joseph's did a really good job. So. I'll cheat and give a, give a couple of guys, two, three guys. That pretty works. Strong. Yeah, pretty strong. Go ahead, Dave. No, I, I just um, – I, I was – I wonder how much you as a scout read body language because you, you did make a reference to the LSU game. But when I watched Hooker and the offense and really the entire team, but it kind of started with Hooker, I was – just impressed with the composure and the body language. They seem like a team. And I got a little bit of this from the interviews that we do with Jacob and Cooper Warren in, in the offseason, Cooper Mays, Jacob Warren. Um, but they just seem like they had a, a really strong confidence about them. As Do you read body language and, and such like that? Oh, absolutely. And I think it reflects how you play. And Look, this is a confident unit. Why shouldn't they be? They've got a really good offense. They, you know, got a quarterback that's very confident in it. I mean, um, you know, knows what to do. And, and I think they've got weapons. They've got um, – they know how to attack. Um, and I just – I think they're playing with a lot of confidence. Now, the key is going to be is just the matchups and um, how they're able to – because uh, I do think that they want to be able to run the football more effectively, or at least I hope I think they do with, with, you know, leads. And, and I think as you get into tougher level of competition, everything I look is with the prism of not, you know, not what Ball State was able to do and not able to do, but what Tennessee is able to do. I mean, I, I look at it from Ball State standpoint, but, but they're outmatched there and they're not going to have a chance to even be in the game unless Tennessee plays poorly. So, Tennessee really did what they needed to do. And a lot of it was confidence and 
you know, they knew they were better. They executed and they didn't play down to their competition. They didn't play sloppy. They played, you know, crisp. But, you know, that's a big part of it's deeper into the system. And that's kind of what they do. Um, and, and it'd be interesting to see how it develops offensively and defensively as the season goes along starting this week. So we got to look at the wide receiving core um, and Brew McCoy, especially. How do you feel about his, you know, what did, not really how you feel, but what did you think about his performance? Did he live up to everything that people are expecting or do you think he falls short or too early to call? No, I thought he played well. I thought he did a really good job. I thought he did a good job with his routes. I mean, he had, Man, I know he had, if people look at stats, three catches, 42 yards. I mean, he had, you know, 27 yards after the catch. Now, a lot of that's the spacing in this system you're going to get. But he did a really good job. And um, the talent level is there. We've talked about it. I think it could be a, a, a special addition. Um, I mean, I thought Hyatt did, did a good job. I, I thought the receiving core was really well. I thought um, – um, I thought Caton did a really good job with the catch over the middle. I, I think the middle of the field um, is going to be a real opportunity to make some plays. Um, yeah, squirrel right. I was curious to see, you know, how much they play him. So I, I thought the receiving core did a good job, Jimmy Holiday. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys got a lot of play. I mean, you don't ever play five. I, mean, play, I think they had five quarterbacks at snaps. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, going on that, um, Joe Milton came out. I think he looked better than he did last season. Um, it looks like he's grown a little bit. It looks like he's developed a little bit, maybe matured a little bit. What are your thoughts on his performance, and what do you see from him going forward? Yeah, I thought he looked better. Um, you know, I think that um, he's got a lot of physical gifts, and I think the biggest thing is – timing and inaccuracy with him. Uh, <clears throat> the other thing, you know, with him and just overall on, on Tennessee's offense, it's just, it's my belief and it's an observation. And I failed to mention this for no other reason than I just forgot, but I, I, I want to mention it now. A lot of what they do offensively is, is they have their receivers split out a little wider. I felt like watching the game. And again, it didn't factor into the outcome or the proficiency, but they go a lot, or at least, you know, in my opinion, they work with those wide splits. They try to work a lot of the fade routes, which is a tougher route to run. We call it, you know, um, you know, in, in, in practice, you have a, what we call red line, and we call it protecting the red line. So on a, on, a, on a football field, you take the boundary and you go five yards in and you put a red line on the practice field. And you make guys protect the red line, meaning you don't want the defense to force you to the boundary because then you've got no window in which to drop the football, you know, as a quarterback. So you've got to protect the red line so that you keep the defense away from that red line so that you can drop it in the bucket, as we like to call it. I didn't think – I think they – they were their Tennessee's offense can be much more effective when they work the the skinny post, the middle of the field. I thought they made their big plays on the middle of the field. I thought, and I think at times they tend to go for that fade, which is a tougher route to throw. It's kind of like 
well, we're going to shoot three pointers when we got an open layup. Sometimes you just got to, you got to, I think that's an area that against better defenses, they can improve upon to, to make a coaching point. But, you know, that's a general thing that's not tied to Milton or Hooker. It's just it, it, in terms of play calling, play design. I do think, though, a lot of that will be implemented against better level of competition. Against Ball State, I think they're trying to work that. They're trying to show that because they want that on film. I think they're going to work the middle of the field a little bit more. And a lot of it is you take the outside guy and, you know, he runs a, a, a post. And the inside receiver can run the corner because you've got it creates a little bit more spacing. But they didn't show a lot of that. Uh, I think they showed something different. And I think that's probably by design. But it's an observation that I have that I think uh, I'm looking forward to watching as we go forward. Chris, I want to get to uh, some other SEC questions. We had some comments. Can we hold you over? A little absolutely. Bit? Absolutely. I, as long I, as you need. I do have one more about Tennessee. Uh, so I, I know you're going to continue to break down the uh, – the film throughout the week and you might have some more insight as, as we know more and more, but uh, at this point um, your thoughts on what Tennessee has to do to get a win against Pitt, which I think a lot of Tennessee fans think that's a done deal. It ain't a done deal. It's a pretty good football team up front on both sides of the ball, as you've mentioned. So what do they have to do? What do they have to get done? What's the goal game plan heading into that Saturday matchup in the, the Johnny Majors classic, if I may say. Yeah, well, uh, Keaton Slovis actually played pretty well, and I, I thought he yeah. would. Um, overall, was pretty good. Um, you know, but he was sacked a bunch. So I, the the I think that the sec, the the first thing is you got to get pressure. If it's going to be a game in which you're you're trying to, you obviously got to slow down that offense. You got to get pressure, and West Virginia got a lot of pressure on them. They, they sacked him five times. Um, now, some of that was Slovis hang, hang on, hanging, on, hanging on to the ball a little too long. So I think some of those things, I think that the receiving core, obviously, without Jordan Addison, the chances would be a lot better. That, just put an example, that that's the best receiver in the game, if he's in the game, he's out, obviously out at USC now. He is a big-time talent that, that Pitt loses. So I think that the real key is is obviously getting home with their pressure uh, because if you can't get home with pressure, I think this secondary for Tennessee is a work <clears throat> in progress still, and I think you could be in a shootout type of game. Rodney Hammond, I thought, ran the football well for them. Uh, even though uh, Abikanada was the starter, I think they've got guys that can run it. So I, I thought um, I thought the running game was pretty good. I, I actually thought Mumfield and Wayne and Means were pretty good at tight end for them without being great playmakers. But I think the biggest way is you got to attack their offensive line. Uh, on the other side, I mean, I, I think that um, first game, again, keep this under, under uh, advisement. Pitt's run defense did not play well. And that is, if I was going to look at what's the strength, what's the biggest strength in this game by any one team, Pitt's defensive line is top six or eight in the country. They're really good. They did not play well against the run. Uh, and I would expect that to get a little bit better. I thought the secondary came up pretty well against JT Daniels. So, Look, I think what you've got to be able to do is you've got to be able to play well at the line of scrimmage, which is nothing new. But you got to get pressure. 
so you don't get into a shootout game and you listen you got to make that pit defense defend the run better than they were able to do against West Virginia that's what I think they have to do to win this game and it's not a given um you know I think that people will look at it as well last year we should have won and we didn't do this and we got hooker in the game and he's playing it's a different thing it is but um, everything's different. Everything changes. This is a pretty good pit team, and it would be a really good win if Tennessee's able to get it. Hey, I know Amanda wants to jump in there with another question, sure. and I want to get that. But, but I did want to address something I thought that was interesting with that Joel said, and please hit that subscribe like button, turn your notifications on. Joel said, uh, speaking of Milton, with how big and athletic he is, do you think there will be red zone packages with him running a wildcat offense? He is too athletic to keep on the bench every game. Unique thought, thoughts? Well, yeah, here's the thing. In this offense, you're running such a high, uh, fast pace. I, I don't know that we're going to see a lot of that, quite frankly, because, you know, they, they there's not a whole lot of, you know, we're, we're going to run guys in. And, and I could you see it? Sure. Um, I think the one thing you need to be careful, it sounds good, but when you get into the deep red zone, um, you know, do you, do you want to run the risk of a bad snap? And I mean, I think all those things factor in, uh, it's a concept, it's an idea. Um, I, I think what you've got to do and what they will do is they will run their offense and both quarterbacks are going to need to run it effectively. And, and that's from the sidelines and, and making decisions and then being able to execute it. Both can run enough and both can throw it enough. Can you throw it accurately? Look, I mean, Hooker, I just mentioned some of the tough routes. Hooker overthrew some guys, you know, in the game as well. Again, you, you tend to overlook that when you win big. But now I don't see that as a big thing that they'll incorporate. Might they do it? I, I don't know. Maybe. As long as he does, as long as they don't run the toss sweep like LSU or the toss. Like Florida State. Yeah, against Florida LSU. State. Yeah, yeah. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. That was awful. You're right. <clears throat> that was really that was really bad, really poor uh, coaching. So let's get back to the SEC in general. Mm-hmm. Now I know that a lot of people probably don't realize, and and they think you know fifty five to nothing win Alabama over Utah State is in Utah State's a give me team. However, you know looking at looking back, they were eleven and three last season, and they beat Oregon State in their in their bowl game. Who you know, Oregon struggled with and Oregon last season was 10 and four. So which to you was a more impressive win Alabama over Utah state or Georgia over Oregon and why? Oh, Georgia over Oregon. I mean, it's just the level of competition. Um, you're still dealing with an Oregon team that's got some talent, nowhere near Georgia's talent. I, I, I think, and I've tried to express this, Georgia is right on a par with Alabama in terms of a program. They recruit just as good. They're not going to go away. Now, are they going to win as many titles as Alabama's won? I mean, it's, it's hard to think anybody's going to do that. Georgia's loaded. I keep saying all the time, you know, yeah, they had 15 guys go to the NFL. They got three guys on that defense that might be top 12 picks in this NFL draft this year. They are, they play, they are really loaded. And offensively, they were phenomenal. Um, they were sharp. You know, 
it's more impressive because you do it against Oregon. But it, Alabama, I mean, you play who you play, just like we talked about Tennessee and Ball State. Alabama dominated Utah State. And, yeah, they're, they're not as good as Oregon. But you can't – you played Utah State. You didn't play Oregon. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see, and I think this week um, – how Alabama plays against Texas, you know, a better opponent than Utah State, will we'll give more notice to what Alabama did. So I think it's normal. It doesn't really matter, you know. It's about how well you play. But but I – look, Alabama, Georgia, Georgia, Alabama are the two best teams in the country. I think Ohio State and, and I grade and I do my weekly kind of notebook kind of wrapping up how I grade teams and where the separation is. I think Ohio State is in that same range, just not quite as polished yet. Uh, but I think they will be based on talent. But, I mean, I, look, the, the Alabama-Georgia, they're, they're on a, on a kind of by themselves with Ohio State closely behind. That was – I thought Georgia would control the game against Oregon. I thought they'd win, and I thought they'd win decisively. They were much better than that. They dominated in a way. They took put the took the, the the foot off the pedal. No, I'm sorry. They didn't take the foot off the pedal. They stopped the car. They parked it, and they got. I mean, they were they were guys running up against Oregon that were scout team guys. I mean, they he, he did that obviously because he's very close with Dan Landing, and he knows Dan is going to do a good job there. But this was men against boys, and this is an Oregon team. That's not a bad team. They just look – Georgia made them look really bad. No, I've, I got a good idea, a sponsorship idea for Bo Nix, Oregon quarterback who transferred from Oregon. I hear AARP, ARP is looking for – Transferred from Auburn. What did I say? Did I not say Oregon that transferred from Oregon. Oh, Oregon that transferred from Auburn. Sorry, Chris. Um, yeah, but there goes my good joke. ARP would be a great – great uh, endorsement NIL opportunity for him. He struggled against Georgia. Georgia makes a lot of people look bad. Um, you know, he well, he's just him, old. But... I, I feel like we've yes. been talking, I feel like we've been talking about him for like 30 years. Well, I mean, I think, I think the guy that, that that's, Oh, it's, it's like, you know, it's like the 12th year for Stetson Bennett and how good did he look? Fair. I mean, and I mean, at, see, that's the story. I mean, the, the story is look at that offense. You've got, the third team tight end at Georgia has got first round talent. It's they got three tight, and look at the receivers, the offensive line. They, I mean, they put on an offensive display that wasn't like last year's offense. That, I mean, it was you know play after play after play. Uh, you know, as I said before, it's going to be. No one will beat Georgia on their schedule. Georgia's going to have to lose a game. They're going to have to. They're going to have to play poorly and have that game, and you know, just it's just going to have to happen. But they're they're uh, they're really good. As I said, I think Alabama and Georgia are the two best teams in the country, and I think Ohio State's can be in that mix by the end of the year. So they're really good. I was super impressed by them, um, and uh, you know, and and for Alabama, they they look. They look really sharp too, and I'm, I'm, I'm I think we're going to see, you know, we'll see, but I think we're going to see against Texas. People start to, you know, get into the Alabama talk more because of who they 
will play in, in a prime, well, not prime time, but in the, the uh, early noon game, that's going to start off kind of the game of the week on the, on the Fox thing. So that that's going to be a wild, well-watched game as you might expect. Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. He joins us every Monday and Thursday. Go to hey, his hey, hey, by the way, before we go, I know i got to go, but we left off maybe the most impressive performance of the week just in terms of what they are and what they're able to do. How about Florida-Utah? What a flipping game that was. Crazy. Talk about absolute just blood, guts. I mean, just what a performance. And, um, yeah. Richardson is what a player, and they don't win that game without him. Thought Utah was outstanding, uh, but Florida, look out there. That that that's a tough-minded gut check team. But I, I wanted to mention that because that uh, that was to me the the in, most intriguing game, at least for me, the most intriguing game of the week that I wanted to see, and the game didn't disappoint. No. I agree. Go to LandryFootball.com, and Chris will uh, have all the inside information that you need. He is uh, fantastic. And if if you like college football, go ahead and hit the subscribe and like button. Turn your notifications on. Chris joins us each and every Monday and Thursday, but additional shows with Chris that you can find on OffTheHookSports.com and our YouTube page. But again, it's all about having the like, subscribe, and notifications on. Chris, we appreciate it, buddy. Have a fantastic rest of the day, and I'll talk to you in a minute. Enjoy the week. Talk to you later in the week. All right. Thank you. Uh, Chris Landry, join us of LandryFootball.com. Yeah, you know it's a big weekend when we did forget, probably if you had to sit down and watch and had no fan agenda, the most entertaining game. I don't know. Last night was pretty good. The end was pretty strong. They're both really, really good. And Bo Nix is only 22. He's not old. He's 22. I know. He just, I just feel like we've been talking about him for a long, long time. Not as long as Garcia at USC. I mean, that guy, I felt like, went to USC, South Carolina, not not yeah, Southern yeah. California. Even Garcia, yeah. Yes. He was yeah. there, I felt like, for 15 years. And he looked it, too. That's not – I mean, he looked it. Yep. He looks so old. We missed today's tough question, by the way. It's been it's been a busy one. Let's go ahead and do that. Brought to you by okay. uh, it's brought to you by our friends at Biles Automotive Group. It is time for today's tough question. Been all over the place on a very crazy day. Today's tough question is now. We do our research. Have you done your research? We're working like heck. Today's tough question. What's the real debate? You sipping my soup, Guadalupe? Exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker and Amanda LaFrada. You drinking my sake, Kimosabi? Oh my God. The show's busting at the seams. Amanda, today's tough question. What do you got? Okay, there's no tweaking because I'm sending it out. So don't tweak. I'm not tweaking. Or twerk. twerk. So, please <laughs> By the way, Amanda, I'm sorry. I don't want to get too sidetracked. But Amanda went kind of viral because uh, apparently uh, some commentators were uh, twerking. I guess that's what the kids call it during the Wisconsin game. That's not twerking. I don't know what that was. No, that looked like dating as they were spanking. Yeah, um, it was very odd. Got like 7,500 views. All right, so. Amanda, what do you got? Today's tough question. Okay, it was, sorry, it was jump around at Wisconsin. I'm just going to go in on that. 
jump around at Wisconsin. And of course, which is, which is what third down for what should have been. And they wanted it to be, and it wasn't even close The jump around. things super cool. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so big that they had to do some structure, like take care of some structure damage in the stadium from, from the jump around thing. Like they had to go in and, and, and correct some things. But it's the end of the third, the beginning of the fourth quarter, they do this jump around and like everyone jumps and the whole stadium sways and it seems very dangerous. But, you know, to each their own. And the only reason I know all of that is because I married somebody who went to Wisconsin and is very proud of it. If you ever see him, he will tell you all about it. It will take 30 minutes. Anyway, so to, we were watching that game back and forth, which was a blowout as well. But we were watching Florida, Utah, Wisconsin, um, yeah, Wisconsin, Illinois State, and they did the jump around, and then all of a sudden it pans to the announcers, and they're doing something that is not the jump around. I don't know what they're doing, and I just looked at David, my husband, and I said, did you see that, or did I just, did I, did I make that up, and he's like, no, I saw that, and I was like, that's, that's not right, so we just rewinded it, and I just took it, and I was like, what did I just witness, and it went, crazy because I mean at the moment it happened I was like that's not right there's something wrong with that we need to put that out there yeah they looked like they were uh, uh looked like they were boyfriends basically is the way it looked in the box I thought but uh that's the nice at least real real close um <laughs> but no one's they were commentators with benefits they well that's what it looked like I'm not gonna lie so uh, yeah, that was that was a fun experience. My Twitter just kept going off and off and off. And I was like, well, you know, we saw it. We put it out there. Okay. So for today's tough question is, which SEC team was most impressive in week one? Uh, I, I can't argue with that. I'll tell you what, yeah. we will, we'll come back and give our answers. If you want to go on Twitter, that's today's tough question. And it is brought to you by our friends at Viles Automotive Group. Tell us about it, Mr. Viles. Terry Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct service station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been, but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here. We sell gas, fix cars, nothing glamorous, but we love what we do and we're going to keep doing it for a long time to come. There's not many real service stations left and that's a shame. We're the guys just like the guys back in your hometown. We'll fix your tire, change your oil, and put a new set of Michelins on your car. 
If you want a Twinkie, you'll just have to keep on going. Thanks for the business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your man. So in our message board, Chris saying, I'm sorry, it was uh, G. Smith saying as long as we contain talking about Tennessee Richardson, then we win that game. Um, and he's referring, of course, to Florida. I, I just easy because i feel like tennessee fans sometimes as a fan base get too locked into the florida game is a certain victory when it's the exact opposite of that and it's it's not a guaranteed victory however i do agree with your assertion if they contain richardson i do think that tennessee wins that game amanda but let's get back to today's tough question and that is um, what most impressive over the weekend. So where you want to go? Yes. Which team was the most impressive in week one? And so you have four options. Do you want the options or do you just want to give a go? Uh, no, go ahead and give the options. Yeah. I think we're going to be on the same page. Okay. So the four options were Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Those are your four options. SEC team. I'm going to say Georgia right now. I may uh, alter that based off what Utah is in two weeks. Like if I look back two weeks from today, um, I'm, I might change that to Florida if Utah is really that good by being able to win in the first game under a new uh, coach. So, um, but I, I I don't see how you can't pick. Georgia, really. I mean, that was just, whew, golly bump. I mean, I, I thought they would be good. You and I differed on that a little bit. I did, I did not think they they would be that good. Uh, Chris says, don't have Twitter, but as a Vol fan, it was us. We played everyone on the team and still kept scoring. All five quarterbacks played. Navy made it in the game. He did. So, uh, Tennessee definitely deserves to be on in the discussion, but who are the teams that you have chosen? Who have I chosen in, in the poll, yes. or who do I feel in, like, who do I think was most impressive? All, all the above. So, I put Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Again, like you, I have to see what Florida or what Utah is all about. I don't know if they're that great. They got such great hype because they killed Oregon last season twice. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where their hype came from. Now, I look at Oregon and I say, how good are they really when, I mean, they jumped on board to get Bo Nix up there on as their QB. And Bo Nix wasn't good at Auburn. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just, he, he wasn't good. So how good is Oregon really? And then that makes you think, well, how good is Utah? You know, and then how good is Utah State? I mean, we're going through this whole thing. And then you have, you know, Tennessee, 
who played Ball State, and they're not good. And so it, it just depends on how good these other teams turn out to be because they all, the three teams, you know, three SEC teams went up against three teams that play each other every season. I guess they're all Pac-12. Three SEC, three Pac-12. So how bad is the Pac-12? I think it's going to be the question going forward. Because in my mind, Georgia-Alabama game was equally, I think, equally as impressive. Just because, just of looking at Utah State from last season, this season, Oregon from last season, this season. Those two were equally impressive. But the most impressive, I think, was was Florida. I mean, the way that they were down and, and came back. The one thing about Florida is their defense looks like – I mean, they're – their running defense just does not does not look good at all, and I think that's something that Tennessee will be able to come in and really show how bad it is. They'll they'll be able to expose that, but Florida's win against Utah and the style that they did it, I feel, is the most impressive. The other two are obvious blowouts, but the style that Florida won was most impressive to me, anyway. And I'll tell you this too. Um watching a lot of ball uh, and for those that don't know I, I wrote about Saturday down south extensively about Alabama and Auburn last year so I've uh, a pretty strong working knowledge about those two programs and uh, there were a lot of times and Amanda could speak to this too that I thought Bryce Young and, and I can't believe I'm saying this because it goes against everything that I've ever thought held on to the ball too long outside the pocket when he should have ran and I am the person that says, keep your eyes downfield, make plays downfield. I am that guy. But there were times where you're like, you've got a guaranteed 15 yards. So whatever they had to do to adjust that in his mind, it's fixed. That was his thing in the offseason that he worked on because he was decisive when he broke the pocket and wasn't beyond the line of scrimmage yet. But he said, I'm going to go. I'm going to take off. I'm going to get yards as opposed to last year. Well, I mean, you don't like him getting hit. I understand that uh, as, as an Alabama run player. out of bounds, Bryce run out of bounds or slide. I'm, I'm completely good with that. But the decisiveness of whether or not he's going to throw or go, I thought was scary good. And if he adds that to his game, wow. Cause Alabama's offensive line was bad last year. He was putting a lot of bad positions. I mean, People forget about that, that he won the Heisman with a bad offensive line. That doesn't happen. And um, that's that's how good he is. But I just I thought his decisiveness as an individual gets a shout out. I, th- I saw a huge and I've given shouts out to Hendon Hooker and other guys. But uh, anyway, I just thought I would throw that out there. Any other individual performances that other than maybe Richardson, Young, Hooker that stood out to you i could say jabari small if we wanted to keep it with tennessee kj jefferson at arkansas yeah i thought small was really good that was one that stood out um actually not small the one the other one and right sorry right i thought right right did a really good job yes i was very impressed with him that Jalen Wright, very impressed with him i found it interesting did you did you notice that chris landry sent kind of a random shout out to Dylan Sampson, who was the third tailback. But I, w- I would venture to say that that 
that second spot behind Jabari Small and that whoever gets those carries is still a little bit up for grabs. So if they go back and look at the tape and Dylan Sampson's the guy, maybe he is the guy next week. And by the guy, I mean the second guy. Jabari Small is the guy out of Tennessee's backfield. There's no question in that. So message. Are we ready for message board bingo? Are we excited? Are we fired up? We are. This after, we did, is... after we did today's tough question about an hour and 15 minutes late because it's no, the first Monday of the week. I feel like it's Labor Day. Let's just go long because people are here, you know, and nobody's nobody's working today. Let's just Merch, Merch. T- tell a friend. Uh, go ahead and go give all out. Uh, all right. Yeah. So. It is message board bingo brought to you by Pedigo Chattanooga, locally owned store where you'll be treated like family as the region's foremost electric bike experts. They put their hearts into helping you find the perfect electric bike and get the most out of it for many, many years to come. So, Amanda LaFrada, we do it now. It is message board bingo. And what do you got? Everything we have ever enjoyed is over with. One way or another, it has been shite on. At least we can enjoy the memories of the past. Frick Nick Saban for ruining college football for us. Oh, that's definitely LSU because they're still mad about Saban leaving. Yeah, that one, that was, that was a good one. And man, and, and they're 18 years later. And they're trying to recreate that with Ryan Kelly. And I'm like, he ain't, he's not Nick Saban. Because the, the, actually the guy, I didn't know this, but the guy that hired Brian Kelly was involved in the coaching search that got Nick Saban. So like way back when he was lower on the totem pole. So that is the theory is that they're supposed to be a similar coach, but they're not. So I'm one and oh, I think for the first time ever. And I'm this going, is, okay. this is a late, like th- before the season started, message board bingo is pretty funny. After the season starts and the meltdown start, it is going it it needs to be a show all itself because it is hilarious. Okay, sorry. No, it's cold. Okay. I'm one of them. This is this is an ACC team. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that. If the team practices abstinence. They may be angrier and tackle better. The response to this is, how does tackling help us score more points? Sorry. This makes me laugh so hard. If they were abstinent. What? What? I'm going to have to just pass. I don't, I have no idea. Uh, It is Virginia Tech. Oh. Wow. What? I don't know how abstinence helps you. The ability to utilize an elevator. It makes you angrier. That's what they say. Uh, obviously. Well, I mean, Mickey, Mickey from Rocky, it weakens your legs. All right. Always say. <laughs> All right. Do we have another one? Yes, we have two, two more. Okay, two more. And they're both ACC teams. You cannot tell me UGA isn't bought and paid for. 49 points on the number 11 team in the country after losing 14 to the NFL. Just absurd that they get away with obviously paying players a lot in caps. 
you said it's an ACC team, so I certainly appreciate the help. But I, ah, because I wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. I'm gonna go Clemson. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Still, still in state, I guess. Because they probably bought a lot of those players from the Atlanta area. All right, so I am. What am I? Two and one. One You're two. one and two. Oh, sorry. Yeah. But almost. I can break okay. even. All right. Uh, here we go. I'm one and two. And uh, this is the most important one because it gives me the ability to tie. Does anybody remember when ties were a thing in college football? That's slightly before your time. That was the weirdest okay. feeling walking away from the stadium. You're like, eh, what happened? You win or lose? That is a tie. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we did nothing. We did neither one. Okay. So, blanks. Idiocy is becoming unbearable. A perfect opportunity to go up a touchdown, and just like the two-point conversion last week, he has to get cute. He's just asking to be given his walking papers. I think it's four state. Yeah, four state. Two and two. Mike Norvell with the toss um, at the goal line. What are you doing? Unbelievable. This day is terrible. I just, I, I mean, yeah, my son got a quick football 101 last night. If that's just how you do not do that ever. Um, this day in sports history, and listen, you probably have a little bit of free time if, if you're on Labor Day and you're listening live. So I would highly encourage you to go to a little place called Honeybee. It's all the buzz. And Honeybee is just fantastic coffee. Great place to hang out if you're looking for something to do. The weather in Knoxville is a little sketchy, so probably not a pool day or lake day. I don't know. We'll see what the weather does. Who knows? It's Knoxville. But still, nevertheless, Honeybee Coffee. Order online to get the top 5% of the coffee beans in the entire world. Honeybee Coffee. Just that awesome. All right, uh, Amanda LaFrada. This day in uh, sports history. We get to that right now. This day in sports history. Putting things in perspective, exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker. You're so old, when you were a kid, rainbows were black and white. And Amanda LaFrada. Two kids on the block just called. They wanted you as a backup dancer. It's always exciting when Amanda picks this day in sports history because I was actually alive during some of it. She probably thinks it's like ancient history. So, Amanda LaFrada, what happened on this day in sports history? These get a lot better when we get into football season. Hopefully, we got some of those because, boy, we've talked a lot of baseball with this day in sports history. Yes, we have. Okay, so in 1994, San Francisco wide receiver Jerry Rice catches two touchdown passes and runs for another score in 49ers 44-14 to route of the Raiders. Yeah, surpasses cool. Jim Brown as NFL's career touchdown leader with 127. Now let's just move on because that team beat the Cowboys and kept them from winning four straight. So I don't want to talk about that. He just surpassed the Jim Brown, though. That's pretty. Great. I know, but I'm still angry about that team because that's the one that Dion went to. Um, by the way, nerd alert. May I raise my hand? After the games were over on Saturday night, Guess who watched the 1992 NFC Championship game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys? That was me. The whole game. 
because that's the one where they won in San Francisco and went to the Super Bowl. So I thought my son could use a lesson. Oh, okay. I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> what is the point? Because Troy's just so good looking. Um, what else happened on this day in sports history? Not good looking. Okay. He's in not? 1990, no. I told you I can't tell. I can see really good looking, like like a Brad Pitt kind of person. And I can see really ugly. But all in between the twos through nines, I don't I don't know. And well, see, the thing about Troy Aikman that I didn't like is, and I don't care what anyone says, he had a mullet. He did. That was a mullet. He did. It was a Jerry Curl mullet. And couldn't grow and a beard. It was awful. It was awful. And mullets have made a comeback. And I am not here for that. I am not. If David tries to grow a mullet, first of all, it'd be a Jerry Curl mullet because. He has, like, his hair is so curly that if it goes too long, it becomes like a fro. And so it would be horrendous. And I'm I'm not on that bandwagon. He could, so. he could just throw it out and he would look like Carrot Top. No, because he wouldn't. It's, it would go boofy is what I mean. Carrot yeah. Top, by the way, I make fun of people like Carrot Top because they're cheesy. But my abs hurt. From seeing his show, I laughed so hard one time. And this is a lot of drugs with Carrot Top. That's that's my thing. He looks real bad. <laughs> he looks real bad. All right. So anything else on this day in sports history? Uh, 1995, Cal Ripken Jr. ties Lou Gehrig's record of playing in 2,130 straight games. Wow. So was that the one, again, before your time, but there was one where they – he did the big long parade around the stadium and they dropped the number on that big brick building that's in right field. I don't know if they did that for that when he tied it or when he broke it. Um, I think it's when he broke it, but he had to get through like three and a half innings statistically to be considered playing a full game. And it's like, it was going to happen, but you couldn't help think in the back of your head, what if he stumbles over first base and breaks his leg? I mean, and then it didn't happen as you're watching. I couldn't, I couldn't help. But it was just like, you're holding your breath going, okay, do it. All right. Three and a half innings or whatever the number was. I'm sure there's a baseball stat person that can, that can uh, help me out on that. Sure. Anybody else on this day in sports history? So last one, it happened last year. And this just goes to the whole live golf tour thing. And how it's just right. absolutely stupid. Joe Milton started for the balls. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. No. Um, in 2021, tour championship in men's golf, East Lake. I don't know what that means. GC. I don't know what GC is. But in Georgia. Patrick Cantley claims richest prize in golf, $15 million, with one stroke win over John Rahm, who is the runner-up, and he pocketed $5 million just for that one tour championship. I, I'm fine with winning big money if you win. Um, I, this whole live tour that's just going to hand people money – What's the motivation to go out there and grind and get in the dirt and better yeah. your game? I don't think yeah. there is any. So. This is my. This is to the point of the live or not to the live tour to the PGA tour. Um, when these golfers say, "Well, you know, we don't make that much money and we have to golf all the you you made fifteen million dollars." So 
that's that's a lot of money not 200 million but it's a lot of money right their their argument is the guy that's lower on the totem pole doesn't make nearly as much but that's the way that's, life is that's the point that's, yeah it's why you don't make you know 30 dollars an hour if you're working somewhere like that doesn't require education that doesn't require you know necessarily a lot of hard work stuff like that it is an in like you enter into the workforce at these jobs you don't make 30 dollars an hour like somebody who has been in the workforce and has worked their way up completely agree all right we'll be with you at 8 30 coming up on off the hook sports uh today if you're listening live or you're tuning in on the monday you can check out um coverage of tennessee as they will meet with the media as they prepare for a much better opponent with Pitt, and then uh also um i gave it away i think uh heath schuler uh will visit with us about navy getting in the game which was i thought was just super cool so i uh, apologize that we didn't have uh time to get to uh peyton manning but we'll try to do that tomorrow uh, she's Amanda Lafrada. I'm Dave Hooker. It's been Jimmy, I what? It's my Jimmy Kimmel line. At the end, he says, sorry, we didn't have time for you, Matt Damon, every single Oh, time. yes. Yes, because they hate each Like, literally hate no, each other. I think they're for good buddies. I thought it was a joke. No, I don't think so. Well, I don't I'll, think so. Well, then I'll feel bad. I don't know. All right. Uh, I like have- Jimmy Kimmel. Have a fantastic Labor Day. Uh, enjoy the day off. Hit that like, subscribe button, because we're going to be with you each and every weekday at 830. She's Amanda LaFrada. I'm Dave Hooker. This is a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.